listening to Spurs Cast, episode 500. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of Spurs Cast. Joining us for this very special episode 500 will be former Spurs Cast host Aaron Prine. If you're on Twitter, follow him at Los Prine. In our discussion, Aaron and I um, go through a few topics here the latest news regarding Kawhi Leonard, uh, the rumor about um, Spurs having interest in LeBron James. Um, well, really, more of the players putting some of these this rumors out there, like with DeJounte Murray with this picture of LeBron in a Spurs jersey. Uh, we go through the upcoming restricted free agency of Kyle Anderson. And from there, we uh, discuss different Spurs cast questions that you all, the listeners, sent to us. Uh, thank you for doing that. And then finally, we celebrate episode 500 by, um, you know, going through some past memories. You know, when Aaron was a host, what was it like? Uh, how has the media landscape changed? And then from there, I, I, um, I have a call with Michael DeLeon, the original um, Spurs cast host, and he, me, he and I go through um, just what it's like to go through episode 500 and where kind of the Spurs cast has gone over the years. So I really hope you enjoy this episode 500 with Aaron and Mike. And now joining me from San Antonio, Texas, is former Project Spurs uh, cast host, Spurs cast host, Aaron Prine. You can follow him on Twitter, at Los Prine. Aaron, how you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. It's good to be home. Yeah, man. Uh, how how's it feel to be back on the Spurs cast? I know it's been quite a while. Yeah, you know, it, it feels great. Um, it's been a while since I was just kind of talking to by myself in my room, so it's going to be kind of cool to do this again and, you know, talk out my uh, butt, pretend like I know what I'm talking about, and uh, get some people wherever they meet, uh, may be nodding their heads. So, yeah, I feel great. <laughs> All right, man. It's good to have you back on, just to hear your voice again back on the on the Spurs cast. Let's go ahead and get started. Um Let's get into the first topic, and that's Kawhi Leonard. I last recorded a week ago um, with Steven Anderson. Uh, it was actually, yeah, just less than a week. And there's been some, some news now uh, uh, based on Kawhi that has come out. Uh, first, just kind of quick rundown for the Spurs cast listeners if you missed any of this information. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski on Wednesday put out a piece called Can the Relationship Between Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs Be Repaired? In there, he says that uh, Kawhi was present, and he seemed fine at the um, – the Spurs had like a, a, a memorial kind of dinner for um, – a restaurant. They were at a restaurant for Aaron Popovich. Uh, for um, you know, after she passed away, Pop got a lot of Spurs alumni, uh, executives, players, um, you know, coaches to come come together at a restaurant in San Antonio, and they just kind of celebrated her memory. And uh, Kawhi was fine there. Like you know, th- nothing seemed off there. Uh, you know, you'd think he's part of. The, he's just like a normal part of the team at that point. Um, then. Uh, Woj also puts in this piece that uh, San Antonio's still not sure if they're going to offer the Supermax to him. Um, first, he needs to repair his relationship with the team and, and it, with the, the, the coaches and the, and the players, the, you know, the, the front office. And then they're still not sure because they need to show some sign of his health. Is Are they going to make him play out the season? You know, he's, They're very unsure about that right now. Uh, Woj continues that Boston made a trade offer in February. He didn't give us the specific players that were in that trade offer. San Antonio did not listen. And they're still not taking any kind of calls on trades right now. They're basically telling teams we're not we're not putting him up on the trade block right now. Um, the, the Lakers and Philly are um, rumored to have interest in Kawhi if he does become available, according to Woj. Um, some other reporters that have been on this story, uh, uh, Sham Sharania said last week that Kawhi's close to 100% is what he's heard, and he should be ready by, ready by training camp. Jabari Young of the Express News put out a piece that said that uh, Kawhi's about 96 to 97% healthy right now. Uh, and then some, some other just random reports and photos that have been on Twitter. Uh, Kawhi was seen in Miami a few days ago. Paul George was also in Miami, but they weren't together where they were photographed. Uh, then Kawhi's been uh, 
reportedly been in New York along with Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich, but they haven't been seen together. Pop was out like at a bookstore. I haven't seen any pictures of Duncan, but there's been a lot of rumors that he's out there in New York. And then, of course, Kawhi, you see that picture. There's a picture of him walking into some sort of like hotel. Another rumor is uh, Jeannie Buss this uh, this morning that you and I are recording this, Aaron, Thursday. She put out a tweet uh, with no kind of um, clarity. It just said, do not underestimate uh, – do not ever underestimate bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, which are open. Uh, nothing else to say. And she's obviously the uh, the owner of the Lakers or a part of the ownership of the Lakers. And they're, they're obviously expect – they're one of the teams rumored to, to want to get a trade to get together for Kawhi. Um, and then the last thing from Woj's piece, Aaron, was uh, he said there was no certain certainty what he's heard about how long Pop is going to coach. There's there's rumors that he could um, want to just sit out the 2019-20 season and just go kind of work on Team USA stuff and then coach the Olympics and then retire. Or maybe he just coaches the Spurs up until the summer of 2020 and then he um, uh, maybe possibly retires. So I know that's a lot of information thrown out to you. I haven't uh, spoken with you and gotten your take on the Kawhi situation outside of what you've put on Twitter. So, so what is your kind of feeling of all this, uh, what's going on right now? Yeah, well, obviously when you have any kind of discussion or any kind of drama that sprouts up in the NBA, especially the NBA, you're going to have a lot of uh, nonsense that's going to crop up from it. You're going to have a whole lot of BS stories. You're going to have a whole lot of fake rumors and, uh, and then you're going to have the talking heads whose job is to push numbers and get people listening and talking, and they're going to come up with a bunch of BS. And we saw that. We've, we've heard that all year, all season, involving Kawhi Leonard. And and for those who followed me on Twitter know that I basically kept preach, preaching caution. And there's a long history with Kawhi and his leg, and I think there's a huge frustration with it. He was dealing with this tendinopathy tendinitis um, heavily in the 2012 season. Uh, it impacted him uh, in, in the postseason. Uh, I'm not sure if it was impacting him in college, but he's been dealing with the, his issues in his legs on and off essentially his entire career. And um, this, at this point, you, <laughs> well past the point, really, you got to ask, is this a chronic issue? Is this ever going to get better? And he's at this point in his career now where he's entering that peak he's in his peak where, where all the the money and the massive changes in your career uh, happen and I don't blame him or his family who he listens to very dearly uh, for really I, I guess playing it cautious because he is the product he is the you know the superstar. He is what people go to see. He is what teams want. And he's got to take care of himself. And as frustrating as it is for fans and, you know, his teammates and the franchise to deal with, you have to understand it. And we're, we as fans and also the media, we're not obviously getting the full picture. We're getting a lot of snippets and rumors and, oh, hey, he said this or you know, we believe this or whatever. Uh, from all these different people, but we don't know the truth. We're not going to know it for a long time after the fact. And so I, I do think there are some frustrations between the franchise and Kawhi, and I think it's because Kawhi is such an odd bird. He's so reclusive. He's so quiet. I mean, he makes Tim Duncan seem like an outgoing party dude. And it's uh, he's just a strange guy. And it's really hard you know, to kind of just wrap your mind around who he is. He's, 
you know, like I said, he's very uh, attached to his uncle, his mother. They're, uh, they kind of hover over him. And uh, he takes what they say with a lot of weight. And, and I know a lot of people have been throwing vile towards his uncle particularly. But his uncle, whenever people have talked to him, he's been in the same line as the San Antonio Spurs were saying, hey, you know, we're, we're all trying to get to a point where he's coming back and he's healthy and he's good to go. I mean, there's not a, not a whole lot of rock in the boat. So I just think there's a lot of stuff in the media that has flamed up that just is just BS and rumors. That's all it is. And, uh, we've, we've been hearing that, that the Spurs and Kawhi would, they would want to meet before the NBA draft and talk, settle things out. And, uh, we're seeing the signals of that happening. Um, so just, we have to be patient and, uh, ignore all the noise from the people who usually generate all the noise. Okay, so let's look at – you mentioned something uh, very vital here, which is that, that this injury looks like it is chronic. You know, there's still no clarification that it's ever going to get better in the long run. Um, maybe he manages it better, which is why he was able to play the last two seasons and earn those all-NBA type of um, accolades that let him earn that eligibility yeah. for the Supermax. Now, how do you think – this is this is where it becomes tough for the Spurs franchise. Let's say that, that you know, he and Pop do um, – you know – Fix their relationship and the team and the teammates and all that all that other stuff. He, the relationship part they fix, but how should the Spurs go about this? Because they have a window to give him this supermax. It, it starts either uh, you know July first they can offer it to him. He can't sign it to I think July thirteenth or something like that. But then they have till mid October right before the regular season starts. And if he doesn't sign it by that point, well then he has to go back and requalify by earning one of those All NBA type of um, honors next season. So so if you're the Spurs. Uh, and you do want to offer him that, that, that type of deal, do you think they should give him the full amount, or do you think they should make it a Joel Embiid-type situation where Embiid does have injury triggers in his in his contract where he needs to meet certain um, criteria down the road? How do you think the Spurs should approach this if, if they were to fix their relationship with Kawhi? I don't think you're going to be able to go the Embiid route because the difference between Embiid and Kawhi is that Embiid, going into the NBA, had much more crucial injuries to begin with. And he had a very difficult time getting his career started. Uh, Kawhi, despite this being a chronic issue, has won a title. He's been a finals MVP. You know, he's been an MVP candidate. Uh, he has proven himself to be a top five player in the NBA, of course, when healthy. And that's where we get back to this point. But even because of this health issue, it's not like he obliterated his knee or, you know, had a, a serious back injury or ruptured Achilles or anything like that. Uh, this could be something that they could uh, manage or even overcome. You know, if they can just work together on, okay, how are we going to manage your health, Kawhi? And I feel like that is going to be one of the pillars of the conversation to repair the relationship where one of the rumors that we were hearing and it was consistent was there was a lot of discord about how they were managing his health. Hey, the Spurs cleared you, but yeah, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling right. And I, I got my own doctor's trained staff that I'm working with. So there's a lot of budding heads there. That's, that's one of the key areas where they're going to have to come to some resolution and move forward with. But I, I think the Embiid uh, path is out of the question because Kawhi has already proven too much. Okay, that, that's interesting because I, I was more for that path that I thought that the only way, the only compromise you could get to get that supermax would be to do that. But but you know maybe because from Kawhi's, you know 
perspective, you're right. He does have a lot of leverage. We can say, no, I don't want to do that. Why would I want to risk, you know, my future um, based on me meeting certain criteria when I've already proven that I, that, I, that I'm eligible? Right. So this is where this is actually where it gets way more interesting now that you're bringing up this kind of uh, viewpoint um, that I wasn't really taking into consideration. Can I also bring something else up? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, also, a huge difference between Kawhi and a lot of the other superstars in the NBA is that they are more marketable. Um, and it's not because, oh, Kawhi's in San Antonio. It's it's not because of that. It's because Kawhi is a recluse, and he's not a really outgoing guy. He's not he's not a guy showing up to the arena in some bizarre attire. He's not some guy who's you know taking a drink from a Sprite bottle and looking at the camera. He's not that kind of guy. Um, he's he's just he's not going to be that guy you're going to plaster all over on billboards all over town for whatever product. He's not a guy you're going to be able to get to do a whole lot of commercials. I know fans love him in the HEB commercials, but I imagine that's like pulling teeth in order to get him to do that. And so it, you got to think how awesome of a player he has been and how little you see him across any kind of branding. I know he's got the Jordan brand, but that's essentially it. Yeah, I know. That's a good, that's a good um, point right there as well. Um, and you know, this makes it even more interesting from what from what I can tell as far as this, these contract negotiations go, if they do happen, um, especially the part that you brought up, that he does have a little bit more leverage in terms of saying, no, I don't want a contract like Embiid's. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. And my point with all that was is that he's not going to get his money from there. He's going to get his money from his contract. That's I left that part out. You know, I didn't get to the end of the road there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, OK. Yeah. So. um yeah, no, that's that's a good point. So now, obviously, you know, Aaron throws this part out about maybe that because I've been, you know, last two or three Spurs cats, I've been preaching that about more about, hey, maybe they get because that's kind of like the middle ground is getting him to have some sort of triggers because of this injury thing. But you're right where he has outside of this one season, he hasn't had those that, that this kind of issues um, where it's taken apart his entire seasons like we saw. So th- this makes it even more interesting to see if they do get uh, these these uh, fix the relationship, first of all, but then also figure out the injury management part going into the future. Um, let's go into our next, our second topic, Aaron. That's uh, that's that's uh, LeBron James. You know the, the rumors have obviously begun. Um, I, they were it did not take long. Uh, Dejounte Murray kicked him off for us here. Uh, well, first actually, uh, Stephen and I last week we we discussed the Vegas part where Vegas already throwing the Spurs in as one of the suitors. They're just trying to drive their you know their odds to try to get people to gamble on LeBron's yeah. agency. But then immediately after the Cavs get swept on Friday night, Dejounte Murray puts out a tweet with LeBron James in a Spurs uniform. Uh, that same day, other players have done that. Joel Embiid did that. So did uh, Ennis Cantor. Uh, what else happened here? That Saturday afternoon, D'Angelo Russell um, put out a tweet that said, um, "Braun to Spurs." Hashtag wait, wait, uh, wait on it. Uh, so then yeah. that got that got me just to you know get something up on Project Spurs. I, I wrote a quick little piece called "LeBron James Spurs Rumors Heating Up," and I, I just basically put in the financials about how what it would take for the Spurs to get LeBron James. And financially, there's two basic paths. He can opt in and get traded like Chris Paul. And in that that kind of move, you probably have to lose Pau Gasol and Patty Mills, the 18th pick, and one of Danny Green or, or Rudy Gay can't come back. And then, or right. they can they can wait till July 1st, uh, allow LeBron to become a free agent, and again move Pau Gasol and Patty Mills, the 18th pick, and maybe one of Murray or Derek White, uh, plus losing again Gay or or or, um, or, or Rudy, Rudy Gay or Danny Green. Now Danny Green was on um, a, a, a radio show in ESPN in San Antonio where he said he the, the Spurs players are hopeful that LeBron comes. Um, so I, I know it's just obviously it's really early. The Spurs aren't the only ones in this rumor mill with LeBron. There's all sorts of teams right now. Uh, just kind of your initial thoughts on this whole LeBron uh, to Spurs rumor that's heating up. It's going to probably continue with any kind of little um, you know, it's, rumors. It, it's kind of funny that they, you know, he would say that Spurs players are 
hopeful that he would land in San Antonio, considering that probably almost all of them would be gone in order to for him to <laughs> get there. That's Maybe, true. and hopefully that's not what they mean by that. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, San Antonio has always made sense for LeBron, especially uh, really his the end of his Miami days. Uh, it's there. There are some, I would say, conflicts of. I guess interest, uh, lack of a better word, where there's certain personality traits that would probably clash strong with San Antonio. But the one thing that I think a lot of people don't give LeBron credit enough for is that he can adjust and he can let people take charge and he can he cannot be the uh, the vocal guy or the the one who's carrying the banner. He he knows how to. Uh, adjust to try to make those around him better. The problem is, is that sometimes with these teams that get constructed is that uh, they'll essentially just all look to him. It's like, okay, uh, you know, LeBron save us. And then he'll have to do everything. And it, it just feels like the, everything else just kind of falls apart. Cause they're just, they're not following in suit. They're not, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like when watching this Cavs team, the, the recent Cavs teams, uh, it's just LeBron will be turning into an absolute demigod. And then it's like he sucks the power from all the other players on his teams, and they just kind of fall apart. And you know, we all know about LeBron's influence in the front office, and he essentially probably makes the shots and makes the calls himself. That obviously is not going to fly in San Antonio. Now, the one thing that you you have to look at with San Antonio is, is with RC and Pop is that they are incredibly flexible. You look at what they have done in the last seven years, where the different style of play offensively, and then their focuses on how they attack the offseason. They're they will they're willing to do what it takes to succeed, and they're not going to keep throwing their head against the wall doing the same old thing that they've done for decades. If it's not working anymore, they know how to adjust. So I think with the Spurs and LeBron, I think there is something there to where they can adjust to each other. And I think that could work. Now, obviously the problem is, is financially, how how the hell are you going to make it work? You're going to have to essentially gut the roster in order to bring him in. And who's going to want to take some of these contracts? Yeah, that's a good point right there. There's, it's not, I don't think this off season is, uh, suitable for the type of contracts the Spurs would want to move. Um, we had the glut, gluttony of uh, you know the, the cap space that was jumping over, over the last couple of seasons, but it uh, the projections were a little higher than what they were. So now people, so now people are kind of dialing it back with the money because they spent so much in the last few years. You got a lot of contracts out there that are really heavy that a lot of teams would love to get rid of, but the problem is is that there's too many contracts and not enough teams, and I don't. I can't imagine any team out there who is going to want to take Paul Gasol's money. Yeah, you know, I, lo- I, lo- I love the man, but I just don't see how that's going to work. Yeah, especially like a lot of people are on this whole, um, you know, bring LeBron uh, train to, to bring him to San Antonio, should I say. And 
that part about Powell and Patty Mills contracts to move those, you know, you do have the 18th pick, which is what makes it you could probably take one of their contracts, most likely Patty's. But Powell's contract, you know, people don't want to bring this up. But DeJounte Murray is probably their, their, their second best asset in terms of, of a player that that people that another team would want back, especially that he just earned yeah. second team all defense. And a lot of people don't, you know, when, I, when you have dis- you see discussions like on Twitter and different forums, they're, they're immediately, you know, defensive when when you say, well, Murray probably needs to be included in such a deal. And they get, you know, no, he's too young. He's too good. Blah, blah, blah. He has too much potential. And that's the part is that like you got to be ready that there, there's a chance that to move both those contracts to get somebody like LeBron, you need to probably move, lose Murray. And a lot of people don't want to face that type of reality. Yeah. And then what do you do at point guard? Because, you know, Tony Parker says he wants to play until uh, 40. Hey, that's great. But you're not going to be starting. He's already gone to a backup role. What kind of money is he going to be taking if he's coming back to San Antonio, San Antonio at all this offseason? If you move... Uh, if you're looking at getting rid of Patty Mills money, which is you still got after including the 1819 season, there's two more seasons after that, right? It's about yeah, roughly he's 12. Got, he's got three years. Of it. Yes. Oh, two years left on his deal after this next season. Okay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you got Powell 16,000, 16, or I'm sorry, 16 million roughly for the next, for the upcoming season and the following season for his production and his age at the hefty chunk of change. But then, you, you know, if you get rid of, Patty, you move Patty Mills, or you, you you move that money, and then you uh, move Murray, who is your supposedly point guard of the future. Um, and you know what do you got left? You got essentially the uh, rusting skeleton of Tony Parker. So what are you going to do? Who are you going to bring in? Who is out there that you're going to be able to plug in at the point? I mean, if you got LeBron, and you, you're essentially, and with a Kawhi, if he stays, you're going to have the uh, essentially two guys point forwards who are going to be running your offense. So I guess you could actually see a lineup, and Pop's not afraid to do something crazy, where you can have a lineup with no point guards yeah. where, for a, a dominant amount of the time. Where you're just running two, you know, two guards out there, and just or, you know, and just letting uh, Kawhi and uh, James dominate through the, the three and the four spot. Yeah, and then there's still the question of LaMarcus. You know, he'd probably be, the, obviously, he'd be the third third option now in this situation, and we saw that what happens when he's even the second option, um, and we, we'd have to see if he can still produce, uh, you know, as, as efficient, you know, with less touches, especially if he likes to play specifically yeah. from the low block. Um, so those are obviously really early questions. First, LeBron needs to get on the, you know, there needs to be some sort of signal that LeBron wants to come to San Antonio, which we don't know for sure yet. Um, it's still really early, you know, just as the Spurs have seen all these different rumors, the Lakers, the, the, uh, the, the Celtics, the Sixers, they're all having sorts of rumors too with, with, uh, their, their franchise, their, their, uh, the teams that are following the, the media that's covering them as well. So it's not just yeah. the Spurs. It's like, there's a lot of teams in, in the LeBron sweepstakes right now. Yeah. And I, I think, and I, I can't remember who brought this up, but someone, uh, brought up that, this is more likely going to be based around what LeBron wants to do for his family as opposed to his career. You know, obviously he wants to go to a winning situation. Obviously he wants to go to a good franchise. Um, you know, I can't see him going down to like Orlando or anything like that, but you know, he's, I don't think this summer, as far as his options to him are as nearly clear cut as it was, you know, with uh, Miami. Um, you know, you, you brought up earlier with Los Angeles. To me, Los Angeles doesn't make any sense for LeBron. But, I mean, that's uh, for you're looking for something for his son who, uh, you know, who's growing into a little a young star uh, in his own right. You know, there's going to be a lot of attention on him. What is LeBron going to want to do for his son? Where is the best place for his son to continue 
going down the path that he wants to go down. I mean, you know, is that going to be over in Houston, down in San Antonio, LA, where I think that's really the big question for him and not so much as about, well, who's coaching, who are the other players I got on the team, but he obviously wants to try to get the best of both worlds. Yeah, so that'll be something to watch. I think there's already been reports that his uh, his wife is like looking at schools in LA or something like that that she's going to get admission for him. So so there's obviously from the Lakers' perspective, they're they're taking that as a positive sign that he's going there. But we have no idea right now, like you mentioned, and, and it's more so on what he wants for him, for him and his family. Um, hey, remember Lamarcus Aldridge was buying a house in Los Angeles too. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, choosing San Antonio. So <laughs> it's really early. Um, we'll continue to monitor. You know, Bronson has to make a decision. Does he want to um, opt into his option? And that probably signals an over-the-cap team like the Spurs or Houston Rockets that he's going. He's maybe looking at those teams, or he he can just become a free agent July first and decline the player player option. And then teams like Philly or or the Lakers look more like the favorites to get him. So it'll kind of just be a, a wait and see kind of mode for LeBron right now. Um, our third topic, Aaron, let's go ahead and uh, discuss Kyle Anderson. Um, earlier this week, Jabari Young of the Express News um, reported that the Spurs are going to uh, make Kyle a restricted free agent by tendering him the $4.7 million qualifying offer before June 29th. This is kind of expected uh, just because the Spurs have invested a lot in Kyle over the years. He's become a productive player for them, role player. And and you, you just want to you know give him that. I think a lot of fans, there was a lot of backlash. Even Jabari put that on Twitter that, you know, people just, it seems like Spurs fans just don't like Kyle or appreciate his game. And it's really that the fans think that a rest, when you, when you become a restricted free agent, they think that you're automatically coming back. And that's kind of some fans that know the cap and stuff and how everything works. They kind of understand that it's not, it doesn't mean that it just means Spurs are trying to have some insurance in terms of bringing him back. If everything else right. fails on their end. Uh, so, so just to, um, update those that are listening on what's going on here. Uh, so, so when you're a restricted free agent, it means that, um, the the, you're, you're, the Spurs are giving Kyle 4.7 million to come back and play next season. If and if he accepts that, well then he can uh, play next season with the Spurs and then become a free agent the following year, an unrestricted free agent. Uh, if Kyle doesn't want that 4.7 million, well then he can um, become a restricted free agent July 1st and seek offer sheets from other teams. Now Jabari's already reported that up to se- he's going to have up to seven teams looking at him that have interest in him. Uh, if he if he doesn't want to, um, let's say he wants to stay with the Spurs long term, and the Spurs want him back long term, well then they can decline that um, that 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 uh, qualifying offer, and then they can just use his bird rights to give to give him a deal up to five years uh, as well with, with certain amount of money depending on, on what they were to come to, to terms with. Um, so Kyle had a pretty good season we saw last year: uh, 74 games, 7.9 points, 5.4 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 1.3 turnovers in 27 minutes. Now this is obviously because uh, his his production in terms of his minutes came because Kawhi was hurt mostly all of last mm-hmm. year. And we saw him play more of that, that, that small forward role when, when he used to play the previous years, more of a power forward off the bench kind of role. Uh, so just kind of your thoughts on Kyle going into free agency here, restricted free agency. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the backlash fans have uh, is what they were kind of thinking of of the season prior. And a lot of these fans probably weren't paying as much attention this past season, seeing the, role change and the growth that Kyle had as the season progressed. And um, his patience on offense truly melted over into his defensive characteristics. He's very patient on defense. He's very smart. Uh, He's not the quickest guy in the league at all, but uh, he, he works very well at being at the right spot at the right time. You know, we, when he was drafted, a lot of us compared him to Boris Diaw, in that regard, as far as, yeah, he's not quick. He's, he's not a prototypical NBA player really. And he's kind of got a Swiss army set, you know, skill, uh, I'm sorry, Swiss army knife skill set. Um, 
it's been a tough road for Kyle, but I, I think he's developed really nicely into a reliable player that you can uh, you would want to get out on the floor, you know, extensive minutes, and somebody who can step up when you know uh, when needed. Um, I think Kyle is very happy in San Antonio, and he, he likes the situation. So I think he's looking for something, preferably long term. Uh, I would, but it, you know that said, if he's looking to get a little bit more more money, uh, the Spurs are probably just going to have to let him go. Um, I think in a perfect world, Spurs are just going to want him to accept what he has now that three point two three point three million, <laughs> and um, move forward and getting a new contract next year. Uh, but should he want to kind of test the waters, he's probably going to get some suitors willing to uh, give him some money that the Spurs are probably not going to be interested in matching. Yeah, and that's also something that, that young reporter was at. He, Kyle's looking for more more so um, long, long, a long-term deal where he wants several years, not just the, the one year. So so we'll see. And I think that I, 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 we're going to have a question down the road here on the Spurs cast, Twitter questions. But I, I think also that they're going to get outbidded for him. I think a team will give him a little bit more money than the Spurs want to match, considering that they, they should, ha- you know, if everything goes well with Kawhi, they should have their small forward of the future. Uh, and, and I don't know about investing Kawhi, uh, I mean, in Kyle long-term that way. Um, let's go ahead and take a quick break, Aaron, and then we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Thank you for listening to SpursCast, episode 500. My name is Paul Garcia. I'm the host of SpursCast. You're listening to the episode with our guest, Aaron Prine. You can follow him on Twitter, at Los Prine. This is episode 500. Okay, Aaron, now let's go ahead and go into our Twitter questions. Um, in this segment, I, I, each week I go and I ask the um, SpursCast listeners to go on Twitter and use the hashtag SpursCast. They send us questions. I do want to thank you all, SpursCast listeners. You spent you sent us a lot of questions this week. Uh, there was actually 14 total questions. Usually I get like 5 to like 10, somewhere in that, that range. So, so what I did have to do, because there's a lot of questions here, um, some of the content in those questions was kind of repetitive. Some of you all asked kind of the same questions. So what I did was I trimmed those questions down to, to about nine questions here. And um, and also it's some of the the, the the content that we spoke of. Uh, me and me and Aaron already touched on this um, these subjects back uh, in, in the earlier previous section uh, a while ago. Some some stuff about Kawhi and about LeBron. We, we got some questions about that, and we kind of answered a lot of them for you during our segment. So uh, thank you again for sending these questions. Let's go ahead and begin here. Our first question, Aaron, comes from at Key Stastar. At Key Staster, should I say? Uh, assuming the Spurs do not acquire a max level player via trade or free agency, so let's say like LeBron, Paul George kind of players, mm-hmm. and do extend Kawhi, what should the priorities be this offseason? What are some reasonable moves they could make to stay competitive in the West? Um, 
So, so just real quick, Aaron, before, before you answer that question, I'm assuming in, in this kind of scenario, the Spurs are basically operating as a team over the, over the, over the cap. So right. with this kind of uh, situation, they'd, they'd have the non-tax mid-level exception, which is worth um, $8.5 million, and also the biannual exception, which is worth $3.3 million. Uh, just keep in mind that they still would probably have their number 18 pick that they could use. Uh, what do you think the priorities are, Aaron, and to, to stay uh, competitive in the West? To stay competitive in the West, uh, you know, athleticism, which uh, that's you, you got to get guys who can get on the floor and move uh, defensively is more of my concern. I've, I've always when I wherever get to a free agency, I'm always I'm always defense, defense, defense. I'm, that's where my mind always goes. I'm, I've been whipped that way. Um, thanks to Spurs, uh, <clears throat> but um, I don't know. I, I haven't been comfortable uh, personally uh, as a fan with how the the backcourt, as far as the depth, is set up for San Antonio. Um, you know, I, I thought they were, despite the Kawhi issue, that they were fine at the fourth spot. Rudy Gay, when uh, he was able to stay, you know, play healthy, he was obviously a uh, solid production, uh, surprisingly too, after everything that he had to come back from. Uh, and then of course we talked about Kyle. Um, but, and then a lot of fans are going to also point this out, but, uh, shoot, shooters, the, the Spurs, the Spurs need to get the three point shot back into the arsenal. You know, you have a guy like Patty Mills, but his shot disappeared throughout the season. He's, it's been rough for him for quite a while. We, uh, really, Danny Green's shot did come back to him after having a down year, and that just just goes to show you that yeah, shooters can find the touch again. But uh, they just need more off the bench. They just they need to uh, find someone, whatever part of the scrap heap they find this guy on, who they can re- rely on just to go out there, give him a few minutes, and hit a you know hit a three or two uh, a game. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, this I'm going to steal this answer from John Diaz a few weeks ago, where he said the best the best addition the Spurs can make to stay up competitive is basically a healthy Kawhi Leonard, and I, I really do want to see the majority yeah. of this, this team back. You know, with Kawhi at their side, um, you know, we, you see players playing their normal roles like Danny Green. We saw that he got demoted to the bench a lot of times because Patty Mills, they pop needed his scoring and his shooting more so than, than Danny could provide as just a three and D um, typical wing. And I think that if Kawhi's back and Danny, let's say Danny opts into his, his player option, then I think Danny gets a little bit more comfortable. He, he can just you know shoot threes and, and play defense and not really have to drive in or create offense if he, as much as he, as, he, as he did this past season. Uh, you know, with that 8.5 million, some, some free agents I would, I would look at, um, maybe like Marco Bellinelli, you mentioned shooting there. Uh, Shabazz yeah. Muhammad for the defense, uh, you know, not maybe not the full 8.5. Uh, there's Tyreek Evans, who had a really good season out of Memphis, a versatile wing. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, where – basically because he didn't want to check into the game of the fourth quarter. Uh, Rodney Hood is still a pretty young athletic wing out there. You could try, uh, you know, you could try to look at, um, I don't know if Cleveland would match that eight, at 8.5 million. Uh, the Spurs have always had a lot of interest over the years in Avery Bradley. He's going to be a free agent. Uh, mm-hmm. There's Contavious Caldwell Pope. Maybe he, he signs for a little bit less. And then I think he's out of the Spurs' price range, but Will Barton also from Denver is, is a pretty good wing. Yeah. Kind of, uh, who's a little bit more versatile. Uh, in terms of their bigs, 
uh, that are out there. I, I look like a guy like Brandon Wright, rim running kind of big, a little bit more athletic. Uh, Ed Davis could probably switch, um, you know, one through four, most like not one through four, like two through 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 five. Uh, Ed Davis on. is a very underrated production, by the way. He had, he uh, went apt upon him in Portland. He had some moments where he stepped up big. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody out there. Uh, Give probably him offered him a little bit more than what most would expect just trying to take a flyer on him because he's I think he's an under the radar guy as far as production is concerned. Yeah, no, that's why I wrote him down, especially for the defensive versatility. I think I think you're right. You don't want to get those traditional centers anymore. You need you need guys that can try to switch, you know, one through five if if, if a screen happens against against the Rockets or the Warriors or someone like that. Uh, then yeah. I threw a Kevon Looney. Um, you know, the Warriors can only match up to a certain amount because uh, he is an unrestricted free agent this coming summer on on a, on a lesser deal. Um, we saw what he can do as far as his his defensive versatility. Steve Kerr trusted him in the playoffs. Then you got um, an older vet, Trevor Booker. Um, again, this is a kind of he, he reminds me more of like that David Lee kind of player who you put into mm-hmm. the system. He's not going to change, you know, ma- um, make your team that that much better. But he, he is a pretty productive player. So, um, again, we kind of just got still got to see, you know, what kind of money are they going to have to operate with? Or is Danny Green leaving, you know, th- through free agency? Is Rudy Gay leaving? And that that that, that obviously opens up some holes there. And, um, you know, and then also, like you mentioned, Aaron, you know, what are they going to do with, with Tony Parker's uh, cap hold right now? It's at $23 million. Uh, are, are they going to, you know, how, how, how long are they going to leave that on the books or just renounce it and use some, some other way to re-sign him? You you think Danny Green's going to turn down his player option? I don't think so. I listened to that yeah, interview I don't think so. on ESPN SA, and he basically even brought it up. He basically said that this summer the market is not good for, for, for free agents, that next year it looks like a better you know option. So it almost sounds like he's kind of convinced himself that my best shot is kind of just play, staying in San Antonio one more year and the next year. Uh, I think Bobby Marks of ESPN put out a piece, I mean, a tweet that said that like only seven teams are expected to have like big level of um, a, a good amount of cap space, whereas next year it's going to double to like 14 teams. So I think that a lot of these free agents are going to want to look at next summer rather than this summer, like Danny Green. Yeah, I think the uh, the team that really wins the off season, if there is such a thing, uh, is the team that's going to essentially go through the free agency pool with a scalpel and pull these guys who, you know, they're, they're not going to be stashed sheet stuffers or anything like that, but they're going to be crucial for you for getting your team into the playoffs and stepping up in those moments. You know, just, you know, you know uh, a couple of years, seasons ago, you know, we were, were watching what the Spurs were doing and they signed David Lee and just about everybody across the universe said, David Lee, what the hell, really, David Lee? And then this is a guy who ends up resurrecting his career and it was and for – that what they achieved that season was very crucial to it. And he had a, he had a, he had a very strong resurrection to his career and, you know, don't, if you're, you're going to get a lot of familiarity with the actions from, I think from the Spurs this year, I don't think they're going to be trying to do anything. I don't think they're going to be able to do any kind of home run swings. So you're going to see them trying to take a scalpel to the, this free agency pool and try to find the guys that are going to, plug in those holes the best that they, you know, that for what they need. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, you know, that's why I say, you know, I think that we're going to see like what happened with Kevin Durant, I think uh, two summers ago, where Pop's going to get that, probably that meeting with LeBron, you know, just out of respect, LeBron's going to see what the Spurs have to offer. But I don't, I don't think in the end he would choose San Antonio just based on where, where my head's at right now. And I think that they would take that more conservative conservative approach of, of just getting Kawhi healthy, fixing everything with him, and then bringing back guys like Danny and, and, and Rudy Gay, most likely, uh, with those player options. And, and like and then, you know, the, the money's very limited after that to, to try to bring mm-hmm. these, these huge free agents. So, so 
you're right, where they might bring somewhere uh, an older vet who who may have um, you know we might think he's past his prime, or a player who hasn't worked out in one situation at a lower level, and then I'm um, seeing if if they can um, resurrect their career like how David Lee did that one year. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our second question, Aaron. That comes from at Greco Suave. He asks, um, other than Kawhi, are teams interested in trading for any of San Antonio's other players? If so, what who that we know of, and can Pal Gasol be bought out this year or traded and bought out? Let me answer that Pal part real quick, Aaron, before you get to the, the other question. All right. So on Pal, yes, he can be bought out, but why? You got to look at his perspective. Why would he do that? Why would he? Why would he want to get go away from his? He's he's owed twenty three point five million over the next two seasons, this coming season and next season. So why would he want to walk away from that? You know, just because the Spurs, you know, made it, on their end, they almost it looks like they made a mistake in not waiting for the market to set and instead just re-signing him at that amount. Uh, so, so first of all, from the Spur, from from Powell's perspective, I don't see why he would want to buy out with the Spurs. And then if he he got traded, let's just say he got traded to Atlanta, a rebuilding team. Well, then yes, then he can speak with the Hawks about maybe doing a buyout, or he could just stick it out, play the full year, and then next year you know get 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 waived. Um, from for the Spurs' perspective, if they did want to waive him using the stretch provision, he would be on the books for $4.7 million over the next five years. So unless they're getting some sort of home run player like LeBron James or Paul George, I don't see them waving Powell, and I don't see them opening up the cast base by trading the 18th pick with him to, to do that. Uh, so, Aaron, go ahead and take the other question. Other than Kawhi, are teams interested in trading for any of San Antonio's other players? Uh, of course, you know, DeJounte Murray would be a uh, top asset. Um I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, he had a hell of a year, you know, coming back from what was the worst career, uh, worst season of his uh, career. Uh, he had he had a strong, uh, you know, bounce back. So I, I imagine that raised his uh, interest across the league. Of course, he's got a contract that extends through uh, 2021. And so that's what, you know, it's a lot of money um, with the way the league's going. It's not going to be as bad down the road, but it's still a lot of money, you know, on a, with a lot of years left. Um, obviously no one, I don't think anyone wants pal Patty Mills. Uh, he has low trade value in my mind. Um, that's right. I mean, if Danny green and Rudy gay opt in, I mean, I guess there's two other pieces right there that teams would have interest in, but um, there, the Spurs don't have a, a whole lot to work with. Um, as far as assets, I, I agree with you. I think the only two right now, you know, if we're, if we're not naming Kawhi, is uh, is Aldridge and Murray, and just for Aldridge more so. Like, if if you needed someone as your number one, let's say you just wanted to become like a seven eight seed, then you could put a package together and try to, to acquire him for the next few years. Uh, he's still pretty good, like you, you saw there, learn all NBA at second level, and then of course Murray. Because of the, the, the defensive um, upside here he already has, and then the kind of upside he has on the offensive end is still kind of um, – we, we don't know where that's going. So so I, I agree with you. I think their main two assets are basically Aldridge and Murray. Let's go to our next question. That comes from at um, Ballin with Brian, Batman. Ballin with Batman. Uh, okay. Is there any way the Spurs could add LeBron and keep their first-round draft pick? Is trading LaMarcus <laughs> to, help in, to help open up cap space an option, seeing how long it, it – took for he and Kevin Love. I guess he's talking about LeBron and Kevin Love to learn to play together. So real quick, financially, I already did this part, the, the homework on this. Um, yes, there is a way to do it without the first-round pick, but here's how you do it. Um, you know, all restricted free agents, you know, Tony Parker, they all need to be renounced, their cap holds. Uh, you need to trade Powell and Patty. Find, again, find takers for them. Plus, you need to be able to move Murray and Derek White. So you wouldn't begin up the 18th pick, but you probably have to lose uh, – 
Derek, Derek White and DeJounte Murray. And I don't even know if teams view Derek White that high as a lot of Spurs fans do right now. Um, I don't think he's proven it to the other teams yet where, where his where his ceiling is. Uh, and again, you you have to lose one of Danny Green or, or, or Rudy Gay. So again, there, there's a way to do it, but I just don't think it's, it's, it's logical that it's going to happen that way. Uh, Aaron, the other part, though, um, is trading LaMarcus to help open up space and options, seeing how long it took he and Kevin Love? Um, one more time. You broke up for me. I'm sorry. Sorry. Is, uh, do you think LeBron basically would sign with San Antonio if, if they found a way to trade LaMarcus, or do you think he needs to see LaMarcus and Kawhi on the team? I don't think LaMarcus for LeBron is a must. I, it, if he's there, that's great, but I don't – I think if the only way – if the only way you can get LeBron to the team was moving LaMarcus Aldridge, then I, I think it, it could still happen. Mm. But I don't, I don't think – but if Kawhi, if, Kawhi, if Kawhi is there, then I definitely think LeBron's interested. But if uh, Aldridge is not there, I don't think it really impacts things that much. Okay, that, that's interesting because uh, using a lot of those same moves that I mentioned, let's say that they did move LaMarcus. Um, they'd actually only have 15 – and they wanted to get LeBron. They'd have like 15.8 in room if they uh, kept Green and Gay. So, so really you'd have like Kawhi, LaMarcus, you'd probably have like Rudy Gay. And then you, and then you could kind of, I mean, not Kawhi LeBron and, and Rudy Gay. So that's an interesting um, thought right there, you know. Um, and I'm not sure how, how much Lamarcus adapts to being the third option, like I mentioned, and especially that his game mm-hmm. comes from off pick and roll and also off um, kind of the mid range. You know, at least Kevin Love spaced the floor for LeBron. Lamar, Lamarcus right now has not shown that he's going to do that. Yeah, that, and that's my, that was my other thought into it was, uh, I think for more of having a Kawhi LeBron tandem. You would need more, you know, LeBron and Kawhi will probably alternating a lot at the at the four spot. So LaMarcus at the five, uh, you know, it's it's not where he wants to be. He said as much. I don't, you know, you're looking at a trio there. If you have somehow keep all three on the team, you're looking at a trio there, which is kind of bizarre. You know, you two dominant, two dominant uh, four or. Uh, Actually, three dominant forwards. Yeah, three. <laughs> uh, yeah, three dominant forwards. You know, so it's it's a little bit of a uh, there's no there's no room to operate. So I, I think you get more if you can move all <clears throat> if you have the option uh, move Aldridge in order to bring LeBron in. Then you you have money to bring uh, other pieces around, uh, build depth, you know that kind of thing. But I, I think that's more suitable to long term success than trying to keep uh, a big three like that. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I think that they would want to try it out first, see how they all adapt, and then maybe by February you look at moving Aldridge or something like that if it's not working out. Um, let's go to our next question, Aaron. Uh, this comes from at Keith Staster again. Uh, they ask, uh, which of the Spurs draftees slash G-leaguers uh, that have yet to play for the squad do you think are most ready and or likely to make the roster next year? Adam Honga, uh, Nikola Milutinov, uh, Jaron Blossom game, uh, Darren Hilliard, etc.? Also, do you see Brandon Paul being on the team next year? So some quick background. Um, Adam Honga is 29 years old. Uh, he, he's basically out for four months, and it looks like he's, he's not in the Spurs' plants for coming over this summer. Uh, Nikola Milutinov, he just finished the season overseas with the Olympiacos. Uh, 8.8 points per game, 5.7 rebounds, one assist in 21 minutes. Uh, he's 23 years old. The Spurs have his first-round um, uh, draft rights from, from the 2015 draft. He's a center. Uh, Nikola, uh, I mean, um, Nemanja Dankubic, should I say, he's a set, he's 25 years old, um, swing, uh, I mean, kind of like swing man, um, shooting guard, 7.4 points. He shoots 47% from three, 3.4 rebounds with, uh, 
uh, Servinas Vezda this past season over in the Euro League. And then they have Jaron Blossom game over in Austin, um, 16.5 points per game in the G League, 30% shooter from three, 8.2 rebounds, 1.4 assists. Uh, he's still 24 years old. Um, so, Aaron, do you think any of those guys, th- those other three guys, are ready to come to the NBA? Uh, and then what do you think about Brandon Paul for the future? You know, I, I like to – Brandon Paul's uh, on contract for one more season. It's a minimal contract. So um, uh, I, I think, you know, the Spurs usually aren't too quick to pull plugs on anything. And uh, he he sort of had his – I don't know, I guess best way he could put his up and down, um, but not a whole lot of extended chances. I, I'm tr- I was trying to think of a comparison earlier, and I, I wasn't, it wasn't coming to my head. But um, uh, I could see like a – I was big on Blossom game, um, and I can see him uh, seeing some time over in San, San Antonio a little bit. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just, nothing really kind of jumps out to me as far as these individuals are going to be on the team, you know, guaranteed contract for an entire season. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, for sure. And I agree with you. I think Blossom game, you know, John Diaz is also very high on him because John covers the Austin Spurs for us over Project Spurs Net- on the Project Spurs Network. And, and he's very high on Blossom game. But again, I just don't know. Maybe they do give him a shot. I'm not too certain. As far as Brandon Paul, I do think that, yes, he stays on the just because of his contract level. Um, it, it's good to give him another shot at $1.3 million. Maybe, hopefully, he goes the Jonathan Simmons route where we saw a big jump in year two from Simmons, a real consistent type of role, uh, if he does spark out in Las Vegas. And, um, you know, the Spurs have up until August 1st to, to whether um, they're going to guarantee uh, Simmons' contract for next season. So, so that's kind of uh, where I'm at, too, on that answer. Uh, let's go to our next question. Aaron comes from at. Orkun Mert, Orkun Mert, uh, they ask, who should we draft? Um, just a few names that have kind of been in the Spurs' draft range. Uh, Zaire Smith, 6'5", small forward. Uh, Troy Brown, 6'7", sh- um, shooting guard. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, 6'5", shooting guard. And then uh, K- Keita Bates-Jopp, 6'7", power forward. Now, Aaron, I know you're like me, where you and I don't cover the draft that, that much anymore these days or pay attention too far as far as the college game goes. So I do want to let the listeners know that next week, um, it should be on June 20th, we're going to release our, our big draft podcast where I'm going to have uh, our draft guy, uh, Ben Bornstein, come on the on the episode, as well as John Diaz, and also uh, our former Project Spurs writer, who used to be our draft guy as well, uh, Trevor Zickgraff. So all, all four of us are going to have a big um, mega podcast for the draft and kind of evaluate a bunch of prospects. So so at Orkin... That's a good trio. Yeah, so it's going to be yeah, it's going to have a lot a lot of college uh, you know knowledge in there because like like I mentioned, I, I think you're the same way where where you and I just don't watch the college game and have, have familiarity with these players. So um, again, listen to that episode. It should be coming out um, next uh, Wednesday, June 20th, the day before the actual draft, which is June 21st. So so you know wait for that episode for sure to, to listen for that who, who dispers my draft. Um, our next question, Aaron, comes from at Bruno Passos. Um, He's a writer over at Pounding the Rock. He asks, um, who's the most likely player on the roster not named Manu or Tony to retire as a Spur? Ooh. To retire as a Spur. Well, probably because his money's right there, Pau Gasol. Okay. <laughs> pa- Pau would be, uh, I think he's going to turn 37. Or th- he's going to turn 38 this coming, I think this coming summer. So he might be 40 by the- if he stays out on his deal uh, next year. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I just don't know how they're going to be able to move that money. I mean, I so he'll he'll be around. He'll uh, and Pop and Pop Popovich probably loves him too much. There, there's so many similarities between the guys as far as their interest, and so they're. <laughs> I can see Powell retiring in the Spurs uniform, especially just mainly because I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of him. 
Okay, I, I'm actually I got if Powell makes it past his contract, which is a 2020 season. I mean, not 2020. Yeah, 2020 season. Uh, then I, I I'd be more in that favor or, or in terms of that that seeing as that route. I think it's it's Aldridge maybe if he again sticks to his contract too, where he makes it out uh, through the end because his last year is non guaranteed at 24 million. In the 21 season, 2020 21 season, um, he'd be 36 at that time. So maybe he doesn't want to you know make his family move again. Maybe he just uh, signs for like a smaller deal to end his career in San Antonio. So so we'll see again. That's just kind of a, an up in the air kind of question. Um, let's go ahead and get our next question here. Uh, it comes from at Ray DeLeon 4627. They ask if Kawhi deal, if the Kawhi deal is an extension, um, does offer of a supermax deal kick in the following season? If yes, it does. Uh, just to answer your question. Uh, you know, Kawhi's deal is 20 million this coming season. And let's say he signs the supermax. Well, then it doesn't kick into the 2019, 20 season. So it has no effect on the Spurs cap situation this coming summer. Uh, their other question was, if that's correct, where are we on salaries this season if we dump a salary for a pick? Um, you know, basically, they're still over the they're, – if they jump the 18th pick, that's worth $2.3 million. They're still basically over, over, the, over the salary cap. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add there, Aaron? No, no, no. Okay. Let's go to our next question. It comes from at Spurs underscore Hoopers or Hoops. They ask, uh, who among Davis Bertans, Bryn Forbes, Brandon Paul, and Kyle Anderson would remain with the Spurs? Apart from Kyle, who among the remaining are good value additions to the team? So some quick background. Uh, the Spurs can make Bertans and Bryn Forbes each a f- restricted free agent if they give them a qualifying offer by uh, worth $1.6 million by June 29th. Brandon Paul can stay on the team if he remains on the squad past August 1st. And as we already mentioned at the start, Anderson is, is, is going to be a restricted free agent with $4.7 million. Uh, so, Aaron, who do you think is a good value and who do you think is going to stay with the Spurs? Well, uh, the, the original, the first question, Pat Anderson would, re, you know, most likely, so would remain with the Spurs. Uh, apart from Kyle, who among that remaining would be good value uh, to the team? Um, oh God, uh, I don't know. There, there's there's so many questions that have to be answered about Brandon Paul. You know, he got a lot of run in the earlier part of the season, but you know, petered out. You know, at the end, just there wasn't a whole lot of trust there. So, you know, if he's gone, you don't really know what value you're losing. Bryn Forbes, um, uh, there's there so many games last season that I was watching where I was watching Bryn Forbes on defense because I, I hate myself, I guess. And uh, and I was gritting my teeth. Um, Dallas Bertans, you know, he's a guy uh, – I think he, out of those remaining three, who has proven a little bit more and, you know, his game could still grow into the NBA a little bit. So I think he would be, of those three remaining, good value for the team still. Okay. I, I agree with you where I think Anderson has a lot of the, the value and so does Bertans. Um, you know, I don't see a lot of upside for Forbes or Paul at this point. Uh, as far as keeping them with the team, if, if the Spurs do take the conservative approach, I honestly think they might keep all four. And the the main ones they may lose is I mean the main player they may lose is just Anderson from that group just because if Bertans and and Forbes stay it's because they're 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 accepting that one point six million dollar qualifying offer now yeah cheap yeah they could easily be um you know they could be offered a deal more than like I think I read somewhere that Forbes's range is in the two to three million range so I think that if a team offers that to him I think San Antonio wouldn't match um you know Brandon Paul like I mentioned I think they're just going to take another flyer on him next year just because his his contract is is a low amount one point three million. So I think actually of the group, I think Anderson is probably the most likely not to come back if if, he, if the Spurs get outbated in terms of seeing if he gets a number that's a little bit too high for them to match for their future. 
Uh, okay, Aaron, our last Spurs question here comes from at Douglas Chris. They ask, uh, San Antonio is one of the most growing cities for f- the last four to five years. Does this affect our market size in the future? Uh, so, so real quick, some background. Um, according to worldpopulationreview.com, the Spurs are the seventh largest city in the United States right now. Um, <laughs> what do you think, Aaron? Why do why the Spurs are obviously number seven in, in terms of their market? I mean, in terms of their their population, not the Spurs, San Antonio. But yeah. <laughs> why, why do the Spurs, in your opinion, get that that small market type of um? that type of stereotype and, and my just real quick my thinking is that it's because we don't have all the sports franchises outside of the spurs is is that kind of where, where you're thinking or is, is there another reason that's part of the reason um the other is is that we're not a big we haven't been a big tech city technology city you know we're not a big we're not a you know uh big industry city um it, it's just it's it's a very large population but you know the, the 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 thing that a lot of people say about San Antonio it's a you know it's, it's a really really large town it's not so much as a city it's just an uberly massive town and it's it was for a long time a very low key um, you know kind of vibe to it there wasn't a whole lot of economic uh, vitality to it uh, you know there was a lot of military families that came in but like a lot of military families you know they're they're out and a few years, you know, a lot of people choose to retire in San Antonio. Uh, so it's only been in the last few years, as uh, Douglas pointed out, that we've been starting to grow as a city. And that's because we've had a lot of influx of uh, youth, uh, which is what was desperately needed in this town. Anyways, when you, know, when you have a lot of young uh, professionals, people out of college, people who have been in um, industry or whatever their expertise is for a few years, and they're coming into a city, that means that there's opportunities for them. You know, it's, it was a lower cost of living in San Antonio. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of changes uh, regarding that in the past few years. You know, the uh, the housing market has uh, exploded, and um, we've seen a lot of uh, financial gains in this town. There's a lot of businesses that have been moving to San Antonio, the, the city and also the inner, the smaller connecting sister cities, sister towns, I guess you could say, have uh, exploded as well. Um, you know, it's not going to be too long from now. I don't think we're all, you know, where Austin and San Antonio are going to be almost touching each other. I mean, if you drive up the I-35 corridor, oh, I mean, you, bar- you, bar- you barely see any farmland anymore as you used to. I mean, you're, you're immediately going into town, into town, and there's, there's – uh, shopping centers, there's, you know, major medical uh, buildings that are cropping up. You have, you know, you have all this infrastructure development that's going on. It's, it's just a massively growing area. And I think it's because there's a lot of influx of uh, youth and money that's coming into the city. We still got a long ways to go to become more like, I guess, a lot of the other bigger cities within the United States, but uh, uh, we're, all, we're on a good path. We, what, this influx of the youth that I keep referring back to, it's been desperately needed because we had this kind of old fogey mindset that has been really just kind of keeping us down. And I think that also impacted our ability to bring in a new, uh, you know, a different sports franchise like NFL, Major League Baseball. Uh, it's just that, oh, we can't do it. We're such a small market. We're such a small town, you know. And it wasn't just the, the people who thought that, but it was also our leaders. And that mindset has changed over the last few years, too. And there's been a lot more aggressiveness in trying to bring in other sports uh, franchises in San Antonio. Um, So I I think we're on a good track. It's just we have to 
you know, keep working at it and not and get out of these old mindsets that we San Antonio has had for a long time. Yeah, I think that um, there's also that, that mindset, you know, still like, even like Danny Green, just going back to his comment just earlier, uh, you know, when I was listening to that radio show that he was on, he, you know, when they asked him about LeBron's chances to come to the Spurs, obviously he said he, they were hopeful, but he also said something like, he, he thinks that LeBron might choose a, a large city market like L.A. or New York or, or somewhere like that, Chicago, those kind of places, just because even in, in, as a player who's not from San Antonio, born and raised like Danny Green, but lives here, he kind of still thinks in terms of where an NBA player is <coughs> at, they still think it's more of a small type of a fr- uh, market size. So, so we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, like, like like Aaron mentioned, you know, Santos on the growth. For me, you know, it's frustrating with traffic, <laughs> both here, living in the city. You know, there's certain times that I want to leave my leave my area, and then there's other times when, you know, even going to Austin, it's just it's just a pain if you go out a certain time just because of all the yeah. traffic, you know, on I-35. So um, there there will be some some growing pains as, as the city does continue to get bigger. But we'll see though if if the the market size does um, improve in terms of those stereotypes of, of us San Antonio being a a small market city. Uh, thank you again to SpursCast listeners for sending us those questions using hashtag SpursCast. Um, continue to send them for future episodes. Uh, our last topic of the show, this is a little bit um, not not necessarily separate, but a little bit um, uh, further away from from the Spurs. And we're going to talk more so about the SpursCast. Uh, today is episode 500 that I'm recording this. Um, and that's one of the big reasons why I wanted to bring Aaron on the show is just because he, he's, he was a host. You know, he had this he had this job as well of, of running the of running the episodes. You all who have been listening to the Spurs cast for years know, know his voice. You know, you, you recognize him as one of the hosts back in the day. Um, I'm sorry. It's all given. <laughs> and, uh, so, Aaron, um, just kind of, you know, this is obviously celebrating episode 500. Just kind of what um, do you have any fun memories back from back in the day? I remember you and Jose used to, used to record the shows. Um, is there any painful memories? I remember I think, I think you told me one time there was, used to be like some technology failures and stuff. Uh, so just oh God, of, yeah, yeah. So just talk about either some fun or, 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 or painful memories from back in the day. Well, Jose, right there, right off the bat, there's a painful memory. <laughs> <laughs> now he he was great, uh, wonderful balance. Uh, you know, I, I have a habit of going off on tangents as maybe new listeners or people who are not familiar with me get figured out listening to this episode. And um, uh, my mind is like a forest, meaning that I get lost in it quite a bit. Um, but Jose was a great balance because he did the comedy element, just the, the sharp, the sharp wit. And, uh, and he, he always, did a good job keeping the epi- the episodes really light when you know maybe they were kind of getting bogged down too much I don't know uh, technical talk I guess you could say but um, that was that was always a lot of fun um, but yeah my first episode was actually episode three hundred wow that 300. was episode three hundred um, I think the the there was a long lull for a while um, and getting somebody to take over the Spurs cast I, I can't remember the story with that it's just um, uh, the other, the previous person, I can't remember who it was, uh, had to take over different responsibilities. He had something else he had to do. And, uh, so then I took over never running a podcast ever before in my life or talking into a microphone for longer than a few minutes. And, uh, you know, just kind of a lot of the painful experiments and, you know, trying different things and, uh, you know, tr- try and mix it up. And it, it was a lot of fun. Um, Obviously, the technology at first really sucked. I mean, uh, I did almost every single podcast from uh, sitting on my bed, and my my little tiny laptop that I had at the time would be sitting on a lunch tray that I that I stole from high school a long time ago. And uh, and then eventually, Michael DeLeon bought us uh, 
Project Spurs a microphone for us to use. And so he shipped that over to me. So that way it didn't sound like I was talking to a, a empty soup can anymore. And um, so, you know, at, after that, we, we made a new logo and uh, plastered Jose's face and my face on it. And, you know, it, it, things seem to be going pretty well and uh, had a lot of fun with it. But, um, you know, I had to step back. Uh, I had, you know, family priorities that I wanted to focus on and uh, other work priorities that needed my attention as well. And uh, it was getting more difficult for me to provide any kind of context or content that I felt listeners would find enjoyable or valuable. So um, it's in good hands now. It's in very, it's an excellent hands. Uh, and I'm happy to see uh, where, where it's grown, grown to. You know, uh, God, when I ask for questions, I get like maybe two, you get 14, but, uh, you know, it's, um, and doing this episode has been a, a fun flashback for me. Uh, I, I sort of have a, uh, weirdly rigged setup right now. I'm in the middle of my living room using a tiny little table with, uh, and all my son's stuff is surrounding me, all the toys and everything that he left out and didn't put away. So it's uh, <laughs> it kind of gives me a flashback memories of trying to do uh, trying to do this burst cast. I think there was actually a picture that I shared on Twitter one time where I'm doing the podcast with Jose and I have my son sitting on my lap uh, because my my wife was busy at the time, and so I have him on my lap and I'm trying to do the podcast and. <laughs> Uh, and I think it went all right too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I remember you put that tw- that picture on Twitter. I think I remember seeing something like that on there. Um, yeah, sitting sitting on the bed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, one thing that I've taken uh, taken away as far as being the host since uh, I started back on episode four fifty nine, I believe I looked up the numbers. But I think there's more appreciation for the host. You know, the, the fact that you had to prep this by yourself, that you had to, um, you know, think of think of the topics. You know. Uh, you know, think of the content. You know, you had to do a lot of, of research beforehand. You just don't want to just talk right on the spot. And then also, you know, having to edit it or, or you know, just upload it. You send it to Mike. All those different things that w- that we do with it. I think that's that's probably the most the, the biggest uh, part of the appreciation that I get from from your end as far as being the host now. As far as that, like you, it was almost like I tell Mike to this day. It's almost like writing. Like you know, whenever I write a piece, I take like a good like you know, one to two, two to three hours, depending on the level of the piece, how far I want mm-hmm. to go into detail. And every time I prep this thing, you know, I give myself about two hours before I prep it just because there is a lot of work that goes into it. You know, the background information, you know, the, the salary, the numbers, the stats, all that kind of stuff. And you as a host got to kind of be prepared. And I think that that's something when you would bring me on as a guest, I didn't think anything of that. I just didn't, I was just kind of oblivious to that fact. But the fact that you had to do that for so many episodes, you know, from 300 up until you gave it to, to Ryan and Jose, um, you know, that, that's something that, that, you know, should, should be acknowledged as, as well on the back end. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought that uh, running a podcast ended up taking so much time um, because, you, first of all, you, do, you spend the hour or so. Sometimes, I, I mentioned this to you earlier. You know, Jose and I had episodes that ran up to 90 minutes sometimes. And uh, some of that was just we were being stupid. Um, but but uh, then you would have to do the editing afterwards and, uh, you know, getting the intro just right and listening you know, through most as much as you can, or going back to spots where you know the the you know, the, the phone connection or the Skype connection went dead, or 
somebody said something they, they shouldn't have said, you know, so going back and doing all that and then trying to, you know, hope, hope, hoping that the website would accept the upload and that the file that you uploaded was the right one. Cause I, I think I screwed up more than once and putting up a file that had no audio or the, the, there would be audio in the first 10 seconds and then it would just be like static for the remaining 50 or something like that. Uh, I think there was one time Jose and I did an episode and then when I got to, we got to the end and we were about to say goodbye, I looked and I saw that it wasn't recording. <laughs> so, um, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I'm pretty sure that it had, you know, there was a lot of combinations of things. Yeah, man. Um, just like real quick before I let you go here, uh, kind of you you cover the the Spurs, um, you know, in different different ways. Both you've done the podcast as as we mentioned uh, back before you joined Product Spurs, you were credentialed as as a media member for Pounding the Rock, and then of course you came to, you came to our site and you started writing mm-hmm. for us as well. How has the media landscape, as far as from from your view, um, you know, now that you're away from a little bit more, how has it changed as far as covering the NBA? Have you seen how the sports just grown to another level? Yeah. Uh... You know, social media has essentially just, it's king. And uh, when I started in 2010 or 2000, I can't remember, 2009 or 2010, you know, um, Pounding Rock just said, hey, you kind of post funny stuff on our uh, website every once in a while. You want to try to take a crack at this? And like, well, hell yeah, let's do it. And, you know, at that time, Twitter wasn't nearly as big as it was now and social media, um, social media just wasn't as strong a presence. And so, you know, the, the talk, the talk boards and, um, the websites I felt still had a lot of power to it. And, you know, at that time it was, you know, it was project Spurs, pounding the rock, 48 minutes of hell. You know, that was, those were the triumvirate that was running, you know, as far as the blogs in San Antonio. And now I think because of the presence of social media, there's been a lot of actions taken, not only by the league, but teams personally. I mean, we know the Spurs, uh, we really can't talk in detail of it, but, um, you know, they've taken certain actions to try to protect themselves against the social media uh, blogger environment, um, paying more attention, more care to the um, corporate news, you know, ESPN, the, the San Antonio Expresses, the Fox uh, Sports, you know, those kind of, those kind of things. Um, and we've seen mainstream media try to essentially just powerhouse primarily through Twitter and uh, social media and other social media platforms. And essentially their main programs, their main, the stuff that they've, their legacy stuff that they, they once did is in the toe um, because everybody is just kind of plugged into this constant 24 hours news cycle and it's not just that. You also have this investigative news cycle where fans are taking it upon themselves to, you know, hey, is this player looking for to buy houses in Los Angeles? What is this? Uh, what school is this uh, player, you know, the, the kid of this player going to go to? You know, uh, you, you're have, you have fans that are basically stalking the family members of players just trying to figure out what the hell the player is going to do or what they're thinking. You know, it's essentially it's just this. Media has become this giant mass of hu- online humanity, and uh, these sports networks are just trying to make sure that they don't get sucked into the bottom of it. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, even me as a writer now, like, you know, 
the, the uh, people that have also gained a lot of power through social media is the players. You know, it's very hard if, if you if you you know when you put something out on Twitter, you got to be careful to make sure that that doesn't get back to the players because fans will show the players that, and then you know they can immediately you know just go right at you as as the blogger mm-hmm. or the writer. And so you got to be very more um, you know you got to know more so make sure you're doing your research anything you put on the Twitter whether it deals with stats or you're, or, you're, or you're putting any kind of negative press about someone. Um, even me as like a, as a, as a reporter and a writer like I've just like it's just gone to so many other levels like you know you can't just follow the players' news on Twitter anymore it has to be on Instagram it has to be on Facebook I I don't even have Snapchat I'm not going to get Snapchat but there's stuff that the players put there too so it's even you know it's it's such a, a different type of um, environment now as far as being a media member. Um, and again, thank you again for for joining me for the Spurs Cast episode 500. Um, I, I know that you sell the, the, your, your your shirts and you, and a lot of different um, kind of merchandise. Did you want to do a plug real quick for that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, for those who have followed me on Twitter, you've probably seen me plug this before. But for those who don't, uh, I have some kind of locally fo- locally focused San, uh, San Antonio shirts available. And they're really available on whatever you want to get them on. If you want to get the stuff on coffee mugs or travel mugs or a hoodie or, you know, a, a mouse pad or a sticker or whatever the hell you want to get it on, you can go to tpublic.com. Uh, and there you can search in the uh, username search. You can search for Hirschhoff, H-I-R-S-C-H-O-F. Or you can just go to my Twitter uh, handle at Los Prime and you can go and under my profile, you'll see a hyperlink. To my page, you can get. Uh, I have two shirts that still that are pretty popular: the um, uh, the Notre Pop, and then my other one, the uh, Going Full Pop, where it's the little silhouettes of Pop losing his mind. Um, I've also got some retro. <laughs> I've got some uh, retro sports uh, uh, items on there: the uh, San Antonio Gunslingers, uh, San Antonio Wings, the. Uh, um, the writers, uh, the San Antonio, the, the Iguanas, um, basically any defunct minor league team you can think of that you know, once existed in San Antonio, I, I have it up there or I'm going to have it up there really soon. Right now I'm working on a new Gunslinger shirt, uh, thanks uh, in part to also Chris Duell, who uh, is providing me pictures of his uh, shirt that he still has from like 1987, 1988 or something like that. So I'm trying to recreate his shirt that he still owns. Um, it's just a little bit harder for me these days because I got a lot going on uh, personally and also with my, my career. So I try to do this stuff on my uh, like my downtime at the office or if I have time at home. So I will. I have a lot of stuff that I want to get to uh, that I'll put up on the website. But uh, you know, please go out there and uh, give me your money. Yeah. No, no, for sure. Um, make sure you check out his stuff um, online. I actually bought two of your shirts. I I know I have the pop one, no trip pop. I have another one in my closet. I can't remember what, what it was though. Um, did you ever make anything of, of Tim Duncan? If not, it's another pop shirt. I can't. You know what? It is. Is the it is the one where he's yelling? Yeah, you're right. It's the one. Yeah, yeah. Him yelling. Okay, I bought those two shirts for you. Yeah. So definitely support Aaron. Go ahead. Go ahead and check out the merchandise that he makes. Um, and it, again, I, I will put a hyperlink into the uh, the Spurs Cast post for those of you that are listening. If you want to go back on, on Project Spurs and look for it, I'll, I'll link to that site for you. Um, and again, follow Aaron on Twitter at Los Prine. Again, he's he's at Los Prine. Um, one of his best things that he does too. Um, he'll, he'll do from time to time is when you put the pictures up, the the Photoshop kind of graphics. Oh yeah, those are those you know those are a staple of, of your work as well. Uh, so I, I want people to make sure they, they visit those. Thanks again, Aaron, for joining me on episode 500, man. Uh, Paul, Paul, I appreciate it. It was uh, was happy to be back. Thank you. All right, thanks, man. Um, okay, man, you take care. You too. Bye.
And now joining me for episode 500 on this um, celebratory episode is Project Spurs' founder, Michael DeLeon, and the original, original host of the Spurs cast, uh, Mike. Um, you can follow him on Twitter, at MDeLeon. Mike, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. That number just seems crazy. I, I never thought that the show would reach that high a number, and it's just like blowing through them now, it seems like. It, we got to 500 faster, I think, this year than I even expected, so it's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I had Aaron on, and he, it was surprising that he said he only took over at 300. I felt like he had taken over a long time ago, but he told me that his first episode was 300. Mine was 459, so, you know, you mentioned how time flies, and, and mine, you know, I've already, I didn't realize, I thought I had done, like, 20. I've done 41 already since I've, you know, included yeah. this episode, so it's insane that it's we're at this level. Um, Just real quick, Mike, you know, obviously this is episode 500. We want to celebrate that, you know, that the Spurs cast has been going from, from all these years ago. Um, So some quick questions, you know. When did you originally start this? You know, what what was the idea in mind? You know, where did you get the the idea to, to, to put a podcast? I know back in back when you first started, there weren't a lot of podcasts around. Uh, and then, you know, give us some background on how it all came together. No, and actually, the funny thing is, this is probably the longest running sports podcast because uh, any any other podcast that came around that same time has either um, is no longer around or there's a few that started after us. So. It was June 2005. Uh, it kind of all came together. Wow. I was I've always been really big into like technology, and I, I um, started listening to this show. And well, this the, these guys uh, I followed the Seven TV show, and they decided to start experimenting, and they were talking about podcasting. And I was like, well, that's kind of really cool. You know, it was, it, it's now like a big network and stuff called Twit. Uh, this week in tech, and and um, but it, I kind of like listened to their first few and then kind of everything they went through and then I started listening to more and more podcasts and I was like that'd be kind of cool to add to the to the site you know I mean it seems like very like low uh, cost or low barrier to entry just whatever recording gear you have and a free program and can kind of get going so it was like okay I'm gonna try it out I I tried it out on my computer for the first time one day um took me forever to edit because I said um and uh like so many times and 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 it's like when you listen to yourself back, you're like, okay, maybe I'm not, maybe I shouldn't be doing this after all. But it was fun. That's that's what I enjoyed. So I was like, okay, well, let me start doing this. This will be like a way to add like a different kind of content aside from the like written stuff that we were doing. And at first, I was just like, okay, it'll just be you know whatever time. But then it started getting into a regular thing, and it was you know again, it was just one of those things I wanted to try. I've always been into like trying new things and. Uh, yeah, like I said, 500 shows back then, I wouldn't have guessed that uh, we'd get this far, but uh, it's really awesome to see. Yeah, and, um, I, you know, I, I was looking through the hosts. I'm going to read you the list of hosts or, or, or guests that have been on as far as, like, um, co-hosts uh, over the years. And tell me if I missed anyone here. So so it was you first, then I think Jeff Garcia came with you, Did did um, and now, now and he became the host, or he was kind of just the co-host? Yeah, he together. was the co-host, uh, and he joined the site, like, around the same time. That was probably um, probably sometime in August, maybe of two thousand five. He jumped mm-hmm. on, yeah. Yeah, and and of course, those of you that listen, to Jeff now runs the uh, the News Four segment. Um, this this I forgot what they call it. What do they call their uh, section? Locked on. Oh, Spurs Zone. Spurs Zone. Yeah, Jeff runs the Spurs Zone. Um, he's real active on Twitter if you want to follow him. Uh, and he also does his own uh, Spurs podcast called Locked On Spurs. Now, uh, then Mike, was it Kyle Bainitz who took over from there? Okay, so from it was funny because we had kind of like a weird period where we were kind of building this guy. Uh, I used to be on the Club Spurs forums back in the day, and so um, actually, you know, first it was me, and then it was some somebody else that was with us, but it was a very short time. Uh, this uh, Melissa Martinez, she was, but she was like maybe four episodes, 
And this other guy from the club was uh, joined Jeff and I, and his name was Mike Paselio. And so he did it with us for actually quite a while, the three of us. But then, yeah, so at one point, Jeff and I, you know, it's actually 500 episodes, but he and I always did a lot of live shows and, of, like, post-game shows that we didn't actually give a number to. So we're probably uh, a little bit further than that. But, you know, at some point, the scheduling got harder, and it just became – and we just wanted to give us well, Chad, I know, I know you uh, start doing an episode, I think, with um, – I think it was Kyle, and, and you guys would take over every other episode. And then we decided, okay, well, let's just hand it over. So Kyle uh, Bainitz uh, ended up taking it over. Okay, yeah, and then Kyle took over, and then from there you went to Aaron, right? Aaron and Jose. Yep, Aaron and Jose, and then and then and then uh, it was Ryan McCallum and Jose. Yep. And then now now it's in my hands. Um, and and you know, like I mentioned, like like I told Aaron, um, one of the biggest um, you know, I told him as a host, like one of the biggest appreciations you get now that you're now that you are a host is that you don't see the background of the work that goes into making each episode, uh, and even post editing, like you know, even for my sake. I still have it kind of easy just because you helped me out, Mike, in terms of the, pr- the production, in terms of editing and kind of uploading some of the, the commercials and stuff that we have on this first cast. Um, but kind of how was that like, that process over time? How, how has it been? Have, have you seen it change? Um, you know, I remember when it was three of us, it used to get really long. So it used to take me days to like actually get through it. But I always kind of enjoyed it because I'd always listen back and I'd always, we always had a really good time. And I'd always be laughing at, at the things that would happen and everything. And I always just try to get it out as quickly as, as possible. And it was kind of a new thing, audio editing for me. Um, but, you know, I was able to learn a new skill and, and it was kind of fun. And so I, even ever since then, I've, I've had a lot of fun doing it. I mean, I think uh, there's a lot more like technology now that makes things a lot easier stuff. Like we use the Anchor app for when we do this as first fast break during the season. And that's like, you can record from your phone, upload it straight and it takes care of everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a lot of the process we we do now, they're a little different, but it's pretty much kind of the same stuff. You know, you just, you know, title it, you know, uh, obviously editing, um, and the tags and things like that. So it's searchable and getting it on iTunes and stuff like that. So it's, it's been it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's one of the parts, I guess, that, uh, at first you don't expect it just because there's like so much to get it into iTunes. But once it's there, it's, it's pretty, pretty simple. But like I said, I've, I've always had a, I've kind of enjoyed it now, even when I'm editing through um, the shows you do with some of the guys. I mean, it's always kind of cool because it's almost like an early access thing for me. I get to listen to it while I'm editing it, and usually it's like a one pass, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and one other thing that I asked uh, Aaron, you know, in the last segment was, um, you know, from from your, your perspective, you've been in this longer than he has, and I have uh, in the media. How has it changed over the years, especially with the influx of social media? And, and do you see the NBA as, as one of the sports that's going to continue to grow and, and probably become like one of the, the main sports in, here in America or even worldwide? Yeah, you know, the NBA seems to have always been kind of like on the cusp of, of doing things that a lot of other leagues. And I remember early on. I used to see uh, a lot of teams that were a lot more like, uh, I guess, like a uh, blogger and podcast friendly and would encourage it. I remember uh, Portland and Phoenix, uh, at some point, they became kind of like the at the forefront of, of like trying new things and trying new technologies and then encouraging people that did podcast blogs to try to help them out. And so that was really cool. But it seems like now, I mean, it's kind of like it's weird because. Like I said, I've been doing it since 2005, and it's kind of gone through its like peaks and valleys, and uh, it, it got really popular, and then you know it slowed down, and now it seems like now it, podcasting is like such a huge thing. It's been crazy to see. I mean, 
it's like every media property seems like to have several. I mean, ESPN's got a ton. I mean, I'm sure we listen to a lot of the same stuff. I mean, low post and, and all that stuff and all of the, uh, you know, the ringers stuff. And pretty much any kind of interest there is now, there's always a podcast. Even the Spurs, the Spurs stuff, any Spurs fans have like probably a choice of like four or five podcasts they can listen to. Uh, so it's been really cool to, to see that because people are kind of embracing, I guess, new ways to to uh, consume content. And so I, and that social media has changed a lot because it just, obviously, it's it's brought people a lot closer together. Sometimes for, for the better, sometimes not so much because people are always... <laughs> People are always a tweet away from you, like no matter what. Like before, I remember if somebody had something to say, they'd like uh, the hate mail was like he was like I I get like maybe one every so often. Now it's like right in an instant you can get like that terrible tweet or whatever. But it's all it's all good. It's all part of it. It's I think just what like with anything, you know, it's what uh, some of the positives just to be able to take on some of the negatives. But it's just interesting because I feel like that's totally changing everything. I think the NBA has always been. You know, when I look at a lot of the major uh, leagues, the NBA seems to have always been kind of at the forefront of, of all of that stuff. So it's really cool to see. It's been, you know, it's all part of it in some ways. Yeah, and you know that that's something to consider. I mean, just to just to to to, re- to refresh on and just kind of go back and look. So, hey, thanks again, Mike, for joining me for episode 500. Um, just this this little quick part again. Just want to get your take on. On, on you know the Spurs is um, turning 500. This, wow, that sounds old <laughs> when you say the Spurs cast is turning 500. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, 500, the fifth 500th episode. And, and like you mentioned, you know, not even everything's tallied. There's probably way more out there. Like you said, you used to do live podcast. Um, myself, before I even took over the Spurs cast, I used to do those those like salary cap type of podcasts, and it was like, oh, yeah. individualized. It, it didn't even have to. It wasn't really part of the Spurs cast technically. But um, that kind of gave me the, 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 the itch to want to try this and really uh, take it on. And so I really I really enjoyed it. You know, I finished my first season here when, when you guys let me uh, take it over at, at 4.59. And I'm, I'm having a lot of fun, especially, you know, getting different takes from different guests, not just having one, one consistent guest every week. Um, but th- thanks again, man, for coming on. Sure. Thank you. All right. You take care. Thanks again to Aaron for coming on SpursCast episode 500. Again, if you're on Twitter, uh, go to his his site uh, at Los Prinus is, is his uh, his username on Twitter, and also to Michael DeLeon for coming on this episode 500 just for for a brief short time. Uh, follow him on Twitter at M DeLeon. Uh, just a few more notes before we wrap up this Spurs Cast episode 500. Uh, continue to send your off season questions to hashtag Spurs Cast. I know we had a lot there, 14 in that in that episode, but uh, I trimmed them down to nine. If they're kind of if they're the same content, I will kind of trim them down a little bit. But again, continue to keep sending them. Uh, thank you all for the, to those of you that did send them. If you're on Twitter, follow us at Project Spurs at AT League underscore NBA. So over on analyzing the league, I do have that free agent list of all the different free agents this coming summer. Um, you know, even players with player options, team options, uh, non guaranteed contracts, and I have them listed by by their position, whether they're a point guard, a combo guard, a wing, a forward, or a big. Uh, so that's on analyzingtheleague.com. I'm also updating any kind of. Um, transactions that are official by the teams so we've seen some players already opt into their deals across the league so if, if you kind of just don't want to see the spurs perspective but other teams perspective uh, do follow analyzing the league.com um, also visit uh, continue to follow at the spurs cast and at project spurs network if you're online visit us at projectspurs.com we'll continue to, to keep writing anytime we hear any kind of news regarding the players um, uh, visit pro- uh, analyzing the league.com as i mentioned and projectspurs.net and then also, if you can, if you're listening to this on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and review. Thank you again for listening to episode 500. My name is Paul Lester.